Christmas is best spent with family and friends, and we want to help you make that an enjoyable experience. I'm John Fuller, and today on Christmas Stories, we'll be sharing some practical tips, especially for getting along with your family members during the holidays. Diane Angolia oversees our guest relations department here at Focus, and she joins me today. Diane, family times can always be amazing, but sometimes it's not so easy. You know, when uh, I have to laugh first, Um, when Raj and I first got married, we both come from these huge Italian families, and both of the mothers were determined that we would spend all day Christmas with them separately because we don't do it together. So that would just be too much. Too much. In the room. It's okay. too much. So now we've got these two massive families, and I, coming from an Italian family, and Roger, there's two kinds of Italian mothers that I have found there's the yellers and the guilters. So now we have to navigate as this young couple. What do we do? Because the guilt was horrific. Yes. And so now where am I going with this and who's going to get hurt? Well, it's always going to be me because it's going to come back on me making this decision. So after some discussion, we finally found a solution, which was amazing. Christmas Eve with Roger's family, Christmas Day with mine. So it worked out fine until we had children, and now you have to navigate it all over again. Here's how we solved that problem. We just moved so we were almost equidistant between both sides of the families, Dina's family and my family, and it was just too far. So we don't travel at Christmas. We have Christmas at our house. Well, I'm happy for you. And we disappoint everybody. (laughs) There you go. It's just the easiest. There you have it. Well, one person who has some strong insights on how you can deal with difficult people is Dr. Mike Bechtel, and uh, he's a respected author on the subject of dealing with interpersonal conflict. He talked about this with Focus President Jim Daly and me. You talk about a tuba. I thought that I'm going to use that tonight with my boys, my teenage boys, because I think this is a great framing tool. And for all the folks who play tuba or have a tuba player in their home, this isn't intended for you. But the tuba kind of overwhelms everybody. That's the point. And uh, you applied that in this word picture. Well, I I think it's true with an orchestra. We love hearing an orchestra because there's so many different instruments that come together. And when they blend their sound, you get a sound you can't any other way. It's the uniqueness of the instruments together. But if you have the tuba in the middle of a concert that goes off and does his own thing, it kind of changes the whole dynamic. You can't just, really hear the violin. You can't <laughs> hear the point. flute. You can't hear the violin. And you don't know what to do with the tuba. It's like tuba's gone wild, and you're trying to figure <laughs> out where do we go with this. So when you apply that, are you talking? the tuba represents those people in our lives that are just off-key and just overwhelming the whole room. Well, yeah, you're not sure what to do with them. And a lot of times it's because they're family. Now, there's a lot of people <laughs> in our lives that do that, but especially around the holidays, We do see people we don't see all the time. And sometimes it's family members, and they can change the whole dynamic when they come in and you've got a tuba player. Well, let's play it safe. Let's end with family, the discussion today. (laughs) Let's start. We'll talk about strangers first, (laughs) the outer ring. You had a story in your book that was hilarious about an airport uh, observation, somebody that wasn't getting the service they felt they deserved. Mm. Tell us what happened there. Well, it goes back to the whole idea of what you can control and what you can't control. And there's things you can't control, like the stock market, like late delayed flights. And that's what happened here. Mechanical problems. Mechanical (laughs) problems, exactly. And we can get really upset, even though we can't do anything about it. It was years ago, I was sitting in the gate area, 
and the flight was delayed, and this man was at the counter, and he was just berating at the top of his lungs. He was yelling at the gate agent, and he must have special privileges, and he was going after it. It was pretty embarrassing for everybody, and finally he just said, do you know who I am? And then he repeated it, do you know who I am? And so she got on the microphone very calmly and just said, ladies and gentlemen, we have someone at the counter who doesn't know who he is. If any of you <laughs> recognize him, please come up and let us know. I love oh, that. Was I mean, I hope she user. got a, a raise or a bonus or something. She got a big round of applause I, from everybody in the oh, really? Yeah. I oh, just wow. think that's a funny way to handle it. What did he do? Were you observing this? What did, when she said that, what was his reaction? He just turned around, and I think it was a little sheepish because he had been caught. He was so angry. And when everybody started applauding, he was the center of attention, and he just sort of disappeared. Well, let me let me go there, because what creates in us that specialness that we feel we need to be treated differently than everybody else? Don't you know who I am, Mike? Come on! Well, I think we all have a certain comfort zone. I call it a set point. It's kind of like a thermostat, something where nobody's bugging us, and they're not messing with our lives, and we feel comfortable, and that's where we like to be. And when somebody comes in and messes with our lives, it takes us away from the set point. It's like changing the thermostat. We want to keep it a certain way because we're comfortable. And then they come in and they change the thermostat for us. And we feel like, wait, no, this is about me. And we tend to focus on what all the other people are doing. And in some way, we feel a little entitled because they're messing with us. Why are they driving me crazy. Yeah. You know, I'm just, as you're saying this, it's interesting that Jesus, of course, who is our model for those of us who claim faith in Christ, he had every opportunity to say, hey, don't you know who I am? Yeah. In front of Pontius Pilate or any of the rulers of the day. And our wonderful leader, the Son of God, never chose to approach a person that way. Yeah. How can we do any different, right? It's so interesting because he is our model for that. And he didn't go around trying to fix people. He got involved with people and took them where they needed to go. Every every situation was different. Boy, that is so good. Um, Explain this quote from your book. You said, we love to watch crazy people as long as we don't have to interact with them personally. (laughs) And again, when we talk about crazy people, we're talking about those that are just driving us crazy. Mm -hmm. Well, it's kind of like being on vacation. You don't come home from vacation and tell stories about reading the newspaper on the lanai in Hawaii. You talk about the storms and the the close calls that you had. We love drama when it's past tense and when it's third person. And with these types of events, to be able to to watch other people, that's why we do it on TV. Uh, There's always a villain or there's somebody in the reality shows you're thinking, they are just crazy. And we, we like watching it from the security of our living room with our Cheetos. (laughs) But to actually be there and have that conversation, how do you confront somebody like that? It's uncomfortable. It really is. You had an experience with your son that I thought was really uh, insightful. Uh, You were in, I think, trying on ski goggles. Yeah. Uh Yeah, Describe what happened there in terms of our ability to understand reality. Well, I think we tend to see things through our own lenses. And we assume that we're right because that's what we see. I mean, if I really believe that I'm right, do I want your opinion. (laughs) And so we went in the sporting goods store. My son was probably about 10 and we tried on ski goggles. I tried on a pair that had blue lenses. He tried on a pair that had red lenses. And I saw a jacket hanging across the room and I said, Tim, what color is that jacket? And he said, well, it's blue. I said, no, it's red. And he looked at me like I lost my mind. He said, it is not, it's blue. I said, no, it's red. And we went back and forth. I couldn't convince him because he was seeing one color. I was seeing the other color. It's what we saw, so we assume we're right. 
we took off our lenses and the jacket was white. Yeah. So we didn't see the jacket the way it was. We saw it through our perspective, through and our that, It's a great, simple yeah. uh, illustration of how to do that. Make it more complicated, though, in our personal uh, experiences that way. How do we create lenses that give us a false impression of what's real? You know, I think we look at what other people do and we see their behaviors and we think, if I was doing what they're doing, this would be my motive. This is what I would be thinking. So we assume that they're thinking the same thing. Yeah. We project the, our lenses on them when they may be thinking something totally different. In fact, they usually are. Yeah. And so we, to be able to approach that and look at them from their lenses, knowing they're thinking differently, so we can't make those assumptions we need to explore and actually talk to them. In fact, uh, you mentioned in the book a uh, relational a coworker that had a relationship problem with just about everybody she came into contact with. And that probably is one of the most practical illustrations you can provide all of us. What happened in that case? Well, I remember there's uh, several of us were talking about this one coworker, and it was starting to get down to the point of gossip. Mm. And it was someone who was arrogant, someone who was narcissistic, and just seemed to have it in for everyone. Everyone looked at her behavior. And then uh, one of the women in the group said, I wonder what happened. We said, what do you mean? She says, that's not normal behavior. It's not a normal way of relating. Something had to have happened to her when she was growing up, mm -hmm. just her environment or whatever, that has caused her to handle life this way. Huh. And it really threw us all back a little bit and thought, okay, we all are a product of everything that's happened to us in the past, the choices we've made, the things we've learned. And we don't know why someone has the behavior that they do, but there are reasons that got them there. I so appreciate Dr. Mike Bechtel for his insights. It reminded me of a conversation we had on the Focus broadcast um, about the family systems. We all have these family systems. And when you get married, you got to figure out what's the other family's right. system? That's or if right. you're visiting, if you're a relative and you're in somebody else's home for the holidays, you've got to figure out what are the conventions? What makes mm -hmm. things happen properly here? Exactly. So don't step on the landmine. I love the analogy that he had, Diane, of the lenses and how it's easy for us to see things through our own eyes, especially if we have a disagreement. How have you found that to be true? You know, I have such a prime example that has stuck in my mind over the years. I was sitting on the couch with a friend of mine, a young gal that came over just to chat. Um, and my little daughter comes running in. She has a handful of little dandelions in her hand. And she says, Mommy, I brought you some flowers. And she presents me with this fistful. And the friend that was sitting next to me turned to my little girl and said, Those are not flowers. Those are weeds. And so now I've got this gal looking at me, I'll call her Mary, and I'm my little daughter, Serafina, and I have this awful choice to make. So I prayed, Lord, give me wisdom, and here's what came out of my mouth. Um, Mary, in your yard, those may be weeds, but in my yard, those are beautiful flowers. So let's go put those in some water, sweetheart, and off we went. Well, as we sat on the couch and talked, Mary had come from an extremely abusive family, mm. and she herself having been abused. And looking at those flowers told me there's two perspectives. They're either weeds are there flowers? And it depends on the experiences that you've had. Mm. And that opportunity to kind of look into Mary's past and understand right. through her lens was right. probably invaluable for her 
that somebody kind of gets it a little bit, maybe. Exactly. Mm, nice. Well, we're going to turn to a conversation that Jim Daly had with two good friends here at Focus, actually co-workers, Greg and Aaron Smalley. They've written a number of books, and they run our marriage department here at Focus, and they've got some personal experiences they'll share to help you create a game plan to deal with some of those family members' stress points. Uh, talk about that pressure. What's going on, and why can't couples simply relax? What are the typical pressures that couples face during the holidays? You know, it's you can narrow it down to one word, and it really is around expectations. And expectations are, I've put them on myself, and we've got family, extended family, who are expecting certain things, and yet no one's talking about these. That is always the problem with expectations, is that oftentimes we don't even know. Let me give you an example of, of my own expectations. I think part of the problem is that people wrap this enormous amount of expectations into these family gatherings to make up for the whole rest of the year. They walk in thinking that we're going to have this glorious time and connect as a family. It's going to be great and we'll be singing by the fireplace and it's going to go wonderfully. The best time of the year. And it doesn't often work out that way because there's so many variables that can go wrong. Literally, we just saw this. I recognized this this past summer and we went on a family uh, trip to a family camp. And instantly, I think the first morning, my, my middle daughter and I get into this big argument. Well, it escalates in this big fight. And I couldn't figure out why am I in this huge fight with my daughter. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized it was because I had all these expectations of how we were just going to be arm in arm as a family. And She had and other ideas. She had other <laughs> ideas. Or the, I guess the point is that, that it doesn't always work out that way. And so the moment that our expectations start to collapse, see, it creates conflict. It creates disappointment. We might shut down. So there's a lot going on internally, but then you've got all these external expectations of what our family is wanting and hoping and expecting for. And often these come from how we grew up. And typically, I mean, I grew up much differently than Greg as far as what we did around the holidays. And so my expectations were very different than his. And so then you introduce, you know, 10 other people. And often those expectations clash because nobody really is identifying what they're expecting. Well, they're she, unaware. Right. Well, she, uh, they opened their presents Christmas Eve. And that was just, I remember when, when we awesome. first got married, <laughs> I, I couldn't wrap my brain around that. You had to Where, wait. How does Santa, he hadn't gotten there yet. I mean, this happens Christmas morning. I mean, uh, there was Santa so much. Santa came to my house yeah. on Christmas yeah. Eve. That was the first stop, Greg, didn't you know? I, well, apparently. Some of us I, were I, higher I on the list. Aaron, you know, Aaron's a good kid. <laughs> That's <laughs> the bottom line. actually good. That's Molly kid. Let mm -hmm. me, uh, one of the things you're saying, I want to make sure I capture it, is especially for newly married couples, it's important to lay out the expectations. One of the biggest fights early in your relationship can be where you're going to spend Christmas. Are we going to be with your parents or my parents? And oftentimes that first or second Christmas, you both think it's going to be your parents and you haven't talked about it. And it's late into December and you realize, oh, you thought we were going there. I thought we were going over here. How do you do that? And what should you do? Well, for, <laughs> you know, first and foremost, that young couple have to realize that their marriage, their relationship is the top priority. And so they have to go into that decision-making, realizing that our marriage is top priority. We've got to figure out what is going to work best for us because it's very hard to please everybody and everybody. So now you've got all these expectations out there. And so if you don't have a starting point 
then it's, it's, it can be very difficult to make the decision. And so I think the greatest thing they can do is to sit down and actually begin to talk about it early on. And just, you know, you know what do we want to do? So you've got to start as a there. And then you can ask, you know, both sets of parents or, you know, especially in this day and age of divorce. I mean, there can be four sets, you know, of parents who expect that you're going to show up at some point in time. Okay, let's play this through, though. Let's say there is some stress around this and you you go to your mom, the husband goes to the mom and says, hey, mom, we're going to go with Aaron's family. And then that sorrow sets in and maybe some might call it even manipulation, and she's saying, well, honey, we were counting on you being with us. <laughs> what Just are you going to do? It won't be the same without you. And you go home to have dinner now with wonderful Aaron, your wife, and you're going, honey, we got a problem. How do you go about untangling those emotions? Well, first and foremost, to identify what you're feeling as you're coming into that conversation, but really approaching it as a team. And really just realizing and embracing that we're a team here, the two of us. We are a team, and we're going to find something that feels good to you and good to me, a win-win in essence. You know, you've got to start from that place of Genesis that, that husband and wife are leaving their families of origin and cleaving to each other. That has to be the basis, or this is going to be so crazy-making. So I think what, what you're really trying to do, as Aaron is saying, is that you talk about it first as a couple— and then as family maybe are pushing back or, oh, we were hoping this, that's okay. You can say to them, hey, we love you, and you know, let's, we'll try to figure this out. But again, you've got to keep making it clear. And this is, I think, what's important for a young couple who's the decision maker. Okay, it's Aaron and I. It's not mom we're, and dad. We're a team. I mean, and you're not doing Honor that in a, yeah, you're not doing that in a disrespectful way. But you've got to be clear. And that's very hard for a young couple. Oh, it I mean, is. Let's mm-hmm. be honest. It truly it's is. It's easier as you grow older, but it still could be a challenge. Uh, let's turn to the Facebook questions that we ask. One woman, Natasha, made this comment. She said, what stresses me out is getting my house ready for company and having to make the house perfect. Mm. I think Gene stresses out with that, too. That is so me. I, mean, I worry about the cleanliness when, when of when Aaron house. doesn't clean it up, you get all stressed? Oh, n- <laughs> never. Okay, that's not Actually, this program. Uh, really? We're going to engage around this. Yeah. <laughs> I'm lying. Greg, this is an intervention. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, you Greg. Him. We're here yeah, for you. you got to pick up your socks. <laughs> but, Aaron, you can relate, I'm sure, as we all can. And what we try to do, hopefully, as husbands, is make sure that we're doing our fair share. But how do we as couples manage this better? I think what Natasha is saying is 95% of couples, they all experience this. Absolutely. And especially for a woman, there's so much on our plate around the holiday seasons. I mean, it's parties, it's kids, it's kids parties, it's, you know, family, it's cleaning, it's packing, it's, you know, there's so many things going on. And I did notice there's some research out that men tend to be able to relax around the holidays because you think <laughs> about it, they're off work yeah. and, you know, football's on and just the way their brains work is that they're able to compartmentalize and, you know, this is time off work and I can relax. We're a woman. We are constantly going back and forth in our right and left hemisphere. Multitasking. And multitasking and we don't relax. We're laughing about it, but there is a lot of stress around this one because I think a woman tends to, if they haven't worked this out and expectations aren't agreed upon, they can get very uh, resentful at this point because he can be kind of dodging 
the responsibilities there. And he is watching the fourth. Yeah, he's watching the fourth football game of the day. Now I'm not speaking from experience here. <laughs> How and, many bags of chips are yeah, you exactly. doing? You have your hat on right now. Yeah, but you know, you, you're you've got to disengage. How do we, Greg, as husbands? clue in to the fact that maybe we've got to do more. It, it always has to start with that willingness to anticipate that our, we're both going to have very different expectations around this. I mean, hopefully you're hearing the theme is that this time of year just brings up so many undiscussed expectations. It's got to start with there. So what I would encourage these couples to do is just talk about it. Hey, coming up Christmas, I could ask Aaron this question, what would make this holiday season a 10 for you? What would I be doing? How could I best help you? Oh, that's good. And just let her talk and hear about it. And, and I know one of the things that Aaron often says is that, you know what? I love it when you ask me, what can I do to help? But she said it's very different, though, when you take initiative and you just look around and you notice that there is lots to do. Just jump in. Because in some ways, when I have to ask her constantly, what can I do to help? What do you need from me? It almost implies like, hey, this is really ultimately your responsibility. I'm just kind of here to help. <laughs> you know. And it's great to have that attitude that I want to serve you. So ask each other. But also, I think for the guys, it goes a long ways when we just look around, find things to do, jump in, and get them done. I think that really speaks love to a woman. Is that, is that fair to say? Yes. And I, what I love that we've done in the past is to come up with a game plan. You know, that you're – so often Greg will, you know, buy for, you know, our son Garrison and Murphy, and I'll take Taylor and Annie. And so it's a game plan that we divide it up and we conquer. It's not that, you know, he's coming alongside and helping. It's that he is getting in the game and that we're doing this as a team. We're going to conquer Christmas, the holidays, together. I so appreciate the transparency that Greg and Aaron have and the really good uh, game plan that they can offer us. I always benefit from time with them and hope that you're finding this helpful. We'll hear more from them in just a moment. Uh, one thing we've been doing throughout the podcast is you know, trying to get our hearts ready for the Advent season. We're a couple of weeks into it now. Diane, you're a big believer in our Advent calendar. I, I think last it. episode yes. you were talking about it pretty heavily. What are some scriptures that you like to bring to bear? I mean, there's some really classic ones mm-hmm. for this season. Do you have some favorites? I do. I Actually, I like Luke 2, 8 through 15. And it's not really the conventional ones, but I love where it says uh, that an angel of the Lord appeared to those chosen shepherds and told them about the good news of Jesus. And I just think, oh my gosh, that's us. We are chosen by him for the good news. And then a whole host of angels appear and they are singing glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to the people he favors. And then they're told to go tell others. And I think that's what the whole Christmas is about. Let's tell others the true meaning that we have been chosen to share the gospel message Mm. with others. That's good. I appreciate that. And it really leads us to the next segment we have with the Smallies uh, as we uh, prepare our hearts to be messengers, servants, to bless others, particularly family members during this season. You know, when you look back over the years, you know, even if you've been married for two years, you have one year of experience. Where were the triggers? Where were the stress points that you dealt with during the holiday season prior 
to that. And really what I love, Greg has been so wonderful with, you know, asking me, what do you need? I notice that sometimes there's tension between you and this other family member. What do you need from me? How can I support you? How can I come alongside of you and really protect you? as your husband and you know and making just coming up with a plan of how to best do that and let me frame why this is so important okay here's the problem when we go back to visit family to be around family it will inevitably pull you back into those roles that you played as you were growing up i don't care how old you are i mean here as a psychologist you know i help people deal with these things and i'll go home and i'm I'm right back in. You're the child once again. You're 12 years old. Exactly. And see, the problem when that happens, and now we're doing these crazy things that Aaron, she's not used to watching me do these things, behaving this way. And so it can really lead to conflict between us. Mm. I mean, one of the biggest fights that we ever got into was during one of those holiday times to where we were with my family and something happened and it just, I was acting weird. She needed something and boom, we just were in this huge, huge argument. And I'm telling you that had everything to do with the fact that I was already in that weird kind of just reliving all this childhood stuff and just realize that that's going to happen and just expect it. Because then that's a part of then what you can talk about to go, okay, when I, Aaron, when I see you, Aaron gets really, really quiet when she's around that's what I her do. family. Yeah. That's the same. And I'm so not I used yeah. to that. And I just sit there and I'm baffled. Yeah. I mean, she's just, you know. And, and <laughs> it's safe there. I mean, that's a safe place to be. Aaron, I can place. identify with you. You know what's funny is we, we were with family the other day, and I, it was the kids and us and then some extended family members. And I got a text on my phone. I'm like, hmm. So I look at it, and it's my daughter who's sitting right next to me. And she literally said, why are you acting like that? <laughs> oh. It's that obvious. It was that obvious. And I, I literally, I was, it's because often we walk back into our family system, we don't realize that we take on those roles that we carried, you know, all the first 18 years of growing up in our family of origins. And I think that's why her point is so important that as we're driving there, as we're flying there, at some point, it is so worthwhile for us as a couple just to say, okay, hey, with this particular family member, this kind of can happen What's the game plan? And I love in 1 Corinthians 1.10, it says, I appeal to you, brothers, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. That should be the goal for every couple as they're heading to a family gathering. How are we going to stay united? How are we going to stay as a team? How do you need me to support you? If you talk about that, see, you get then all those expectations out in the open, and that's how you make this experience successful. And it should be fun. I mean, that's the goal at this time of year is to have a good time and remember the, you know, the meaning of the season that the, God sent His Son to die for us, and uh, this is what we celebrate at Christmas is His birth. So it shouldn't be. We shouldn't give it to the enemy. If I could be so blunt, that it's all this conflict and all this pressure is creating a nastiness in us. It's an irony that at that hopeful time of year, we would take on the opposite attitude, especially in our relationships. Uh, Greg, you talk about a scripture, Philippians 2.4 is another one. I want to replace a word in here to make the point, but it's... You're rewriting scripture? No, but each of you should look not only to your own interests, but also to the interests of your family members. Ouch. That can be really hard. It can, but even notice, though, the order. So don't look not only to your own interests. So I, I take that as, okay, figure out 
what's going on for you, figure out what you need first and foremost, keep your heart open, keep things light, keep things fun. So figure that out, but then turn and look to the interests of, of you than your family. And I like that because that, that is so possible. It's So Christ came what? To serve, not to be served. And so what if that was our attitude? So as Aaron and I talk, we get some expectations out. We have a game plan on how we can support one another. But then what if the conversation turned to, so then as we're at this gathering, how could we outserve each family member? How could we let the Lord shine yeah. through us, mm-hmm. even the, in family the, situations? Listen to this one in Proverbs eleven twenty five: Whoever brings blessing will be enriched. So in other words, that, mm-hmm. that's that heart. I want to serve um, I want to bring blessing, but I'm telling you, you will not get there if you don't intentionally talk how to prepare hearts and minds, unified as a couple, what do I need as an individual? If you do that work beforehand, you'll stay in that open spot to be able to serve and to bless. Greg Smalley always takes it back to the heart, and I so appreciate that because it would be easy this season for me to want to put it in neutral, to sit with my legs up and just watch (laughs) everybody doing their thing. Mm -hmm. But instead, you've you've got to be intentional. You've got to really say to yourself and with your spouse, how do we make this so that we are serving and blessing others? Uh, Diane, is there anybody in your family? Now you're a doer, so maybe yeah, you're, maybe the answer is it's me, <laughs> John. But is there somebody that you can think of that's that's done that? That's actually actively gone out to serve the rest of the family? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I have both a sister and a daughter who are, are searching and looking and um, for people that are outside that scope that you would normally look for, like the one that's the outcast, that person that no one really cares for because they're so brittle and so mm-hmm. combative, but that's the very person that they want to please. And it takes that intentionality because it's hard because they don't let you in. So you don't really know what they need. So unless you are truly looking and praying for that particular person and letting God give you the wisdom, you don't really know how to serve them. And it may be something simple. It doesn't even have to be a gift. It could be a touch or yeah. it can be a hug or that cookie that you know that they like. But it, like Greg said, if it's not intentional, you'll miss it because we're so caught up in the big and the show. Yeah. Yeah. And this is not a family member. Um, so if you're single, maybe this translates for you. I've got a friend who is a life giver. Mm. He's just one of those guys that is always looking for opportunities and he's proactive. Yeah. You know, hey, can I do this for you? Right. And during this season, I want to emulate that. Exactly. I mean, it's the heart of Jesus, frankly. Right. But I want to emulate that and I want to be somebody that gives life, doesn't just expect right. others to do things. Exactly. Well, we have a lot of resources to encourage you to have a great Christmas season. And uh, Aaron Smalley has written a terrific article called Family Stress at Christmas Time. It'll address some of what you've heard today. Um, look for that article and other resources at focusonthefamily.com slash Christmas stories. You know, sometimes kids find moments of boredom at Christmas, so... Hard to believe all I know. that stuff happening. <laughs> I know, but... but they have all that time off during Christmas vacation. Mm-hmm. So I would like to suggest the Adventures in Odyssey Fun Pack. It's free for this month, and to find it and a whole lot more to keep your kids engaged... 
Check out FocusOnTheFamily.com slash Christmas Stories. And that Adventures in Odyssey Fun Pack has some Christmas devotionals, some Christmas cards that uh, your kids can give out to friends, and some fun activities to keep them occupied and not bored, which (laughs) is a good thing. Mm -hmm. So, Diane, what do you think makes Christmas meaningful? You know, there's so much that makes Christmas meaningful, but we're out of time for today. So I would be happy to answer that question next week. And I will do my best to ask the question next week. Thank you. And as a listener, I hope you can join us next time. Meanwhile, leave a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Uh, That helps a lot. Thanks. And on behalf of Diane Angolia and all of us here at Focus on the Family, I'm John Fuller. Thanks for listening to the Christmas Stories Podcast. Hey, this is Diane Angolia, and be sure to fill out our online survey at FocusOnTheFamily.com slash podcast survey. We'd love to hear your thoughts about how this show has helped you to get into the holiday spirit. Only takes a few minutes to fill out. And again, that website is FocusOnTheFamily.com slash podcast survey.